Welcome everybody, good evening. Uh, we are back again uh, with the Radio for Brainport Tuesday Talks. I'm here tonight. I am Stephen Harianto, by the way. I haven't hosted for a while, but uh, happy to be back here again. I'm here tonight with Irene Angreni. Have I mentioned uh, your name yes. correctly, Irene? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So tonight we will be talking about well-being. First of all, Irene, why don't you give us a bit of introduction about yourself for our listeners, who you are and what you do? Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me here. So um, my name is Irena Angreni or Irene for English speakers. Um, I'm Indonesian based in Rotterdam, long-term resident of the Netherlands. And a little bit of my journey, I was an ex-engineer and turned dance movement psychotherapist and mental wellness coach and also mental wellness advocate. And what I do now, I help uh, prevention where I can. But also my focus is to help my fellow mental health survivors and advocates to navigate life beyond therapy in yeah, continuing their healing journey and also empowering them in rebuilding their life with confidence. Wow, what a story. But I'm very curious, what, what, what was your story when you were an engineer, when you were just a normal expat, just like many of us? Uh, what were you doing back then? Uh, yeah, I was a software engineer, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I have my bachelor in computer science from Indonesia, from Bina Nusantara University. Uh, then I worked briefly for one and a half years, something like that. And I was during that time looking for a scholarship. And I got a scholarship for my master's studies in Linköping University, that's in Sweden. Um, and then afterwards, I yeah, I, I got a PhD position at the University of Twente in Enschede, the Netherlands. Um, yeah, and then it was kind of a string of employment. It was also a challenging time back then, but I, I was um, uh, briefly working as a consultant uh, at the secondment agency or data sharing, they call mm-hmm. it in Dutch. So after you graduated from your PhD, then you yeah. worked for that uh, agency? Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, and then I, um, I also changed company because uh, you know the nature of secondment agency. There's also uncertainty sometimes about the assignment, and I changed to another company. It's a yeah tech uh, scale up in Enschede, so I, I went back to Enschede, and yeah, that was the last employer uh, <laughs> I had actually. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Uh, so what was what was your story? How? Uh, what made you actually do whatever you do right now? Uh, what uh, What's wrong with becoming a software engineer? <laughs> Nothing wrong, by the way. If you yeah, if you are an engineer, you enjoy what you do. You enjoy building things. That's that's great. Um, yeah, in my journey, I was actually um, yeah, I was facing existential crisis, uh, but I think it was already brewing for a long time. Um, you know, probably yeah, to to start it not too long uh, back. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like when, when we were graduating from high school, um, yeah, we were faced with so many choices, and, you know, we probably were, yeah, had no idea. We were so young or I was, yeah, I was kind of clueless back then and I didn't have a perspective on what I could become. So uh, back then computer science seemed a practical choice. Uh, for study because um, yeah I could get a job easily after graduation, which was the case. Um, yeah, but 
looking back through my journey until now, I, I noticed also a certain uh, progression or a certain, you know, moving away from you know the stuff of computer science of engineering, you know, the the logics, the algorithms, and so on, into the more human side of it. So when I was uh, doing my master studies in Sweden, it was in human computer interaction, so more like on the user side. And my PhD also, it was uh, about yeah scenario-based design or user-centered design, how to make you know the product we build more intuitive. So that means we need to understand the users and we need to be able to facilitate co-creation and participatory design and so on. Um, but yeah, when I finished my PhD, I actually felt then a bit lost. Um, I was yeah disillusioned with the academia life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was it not what you expected, or is it just not what you like doing? Yeah, a combination of both, perhaps. I also noticed, you know, that there there are a lot of pressure kind of to succeed in uh, in academia, um, and also it was during you know I. I, I I graduated from my PhD in 2010. I think the world was still recovering for yeah from the financial crisis back then. So there was mm-hmm. really a, for me a challenge to to get the job that I felt connected with. And um, yeah, back then after I, I completed my PhD, I, yeah, I had this uh, search year visa for the Netherlands, Sukjaar. So there was also a time pressure. And yeah, only at the kind of the last weeks, I think I I finally settled with this uh, job at the data sharing, and I I went back actually to becoming a software engineer again, and that was yeah, kind of a bit of like yeah that, that that's when the kind of the uh, the existential question starts really growing strongly, you know, like what am I doing here, and um, yeah, and that actually. Combined with everything else, you know, I was also as a solo expat. I didn't have my support system. I was, um, yeah, I, I didn't have like a clear perspective. Okay, where I want to go, um, or you know, where, where I want to go with my life, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that that uh, made me struggle with my mental health. So to a point that I had a depression, and um, yeah, so like I I have a yeah, I, I received support back then, like from the mental health care here in the Netherlands. Um, but also, yeah, on the way of my recovery, I I was looking for tools or resources, like how to take care, take better care of myself. And I went, yeah, I went on a discovery journey like this. I, yeah, I learned mindfulness, meditation. Um, then also, like, um, I discovered this dance movement therapy uh, I was already a yeah kind of a, an, a keen dancer back then social dancer mm-hmm. and then like sure. oh there's yeah dance movement therapy so that's yeah something that I, I explored further and it was really bringing a lot of um, yeah bring a lot of awareness to myself and also bringing a lot of healing and also integration because like I was as an engineer back then, uh, I'm not saying that all engineers are, are like this, but uh, I was very much yeah, suppressing my emotion. You know, I was mm-hmm. just pretty much my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then to, 
to gently and creatively start integrating also kind of being aware of my body and being aware of my uh, my emotions, what I feel, what I need. And that was kind of the part that brought me to where I am now. Yeah, and yeah. I'm still so, on the journey. Yeah, so very mm-hmm. interesting story. So I, I'm, I'm really curious before we jump into your um, uh, expertise and what you do now, I'm mm-hmm. actually more curious about your depression um, mm-hmm. at the time, if you don't mind me asking as well. Um, Not at all. Was it related with uh, your existential crisis, right, you, you said? Uh, was it more related on the how a society expects a person to be and then you're just not uh, what society expects mm. you to be? Uh, why am I different? Why am I still doing this? Where, where am I doing mm. that? Uh, um, do you compare yourself with others? Is it all a combination of everything, basically, into your depression? Yeah, spot on. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah, this is probably something that uh, a lot of people, especially yeah, high achieving people like uh, professionals, like uh, could relate to. Um, yeah, this question also like you know, am am I am I contributing something useful? What is what is my impact? You know, does mm-hmm. does anything I do matters? And mm-hmm. uh, but also, um, I I want to acknowledge as well. Those are kind of um, You know, if if we can bring that, uh, yeah, you're probably familiar with the Maslow hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. and of we have like a sense of purpose that's also important for us as a human being, but also underneath that, like a yeah, a sense of belonging, like connected with other human beings, which which I was also struggling uh, at so the time. So is it so is it wrong then to think that way? Do you think? To think about to think about those kind of things, or do we have to decouple and not care about all those things, to to just to just be satisfied and content about yourself? Um, I think there's a balance. You know, there's just a balance between acceptance, kind of also like acknowledging, okay, this is where I am now, but also to acknowledge uh, your potentials. Like, okay, you know, like if uh, yeah, if I, you know, if I'm more empowered if I can learn new things you know where would it bring me so I think that's a there's always a balance you know to obsess also only to our purpose that's mm-hmm. that's a, can be not not healthy yeah. uh, but also to have no ambition that's also yeah yeah I, I find it a shame because I think every one of us has a talent has something to to give right to our right. community right so now you advocate uh, the importance of well-being right Uh, yes. A lot of, just like what you said, a lot of people, like us, especially engineers, often underestimate the importance of well-being and mental health and healthness. So mm-hmm. how do you think, do you agree with that uh, statement? You know, do you, is that how you think society looks at mental wellness right now? Or is that is that getting better um, along, the, along the time? Mm. I think there's a shift, uh, Stephen, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's it's also now the conversation around mental health is more normalized, especially you know throughout this pandemic, uh, where yeah, people are kind of uh, yeah more isolated from each other. Sometimes like there's the lockdown, you have to stay at home, and that that sense of connection um, is yeah is perhaps not always present, and that's also actually uh, a factor that could lead to. Not depressive you see in the news everywhere as well as well especially young yeah. people are more prone to depression especially during covid yes yeah 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 so it is 
I think this 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 is shifting kind of I I just want to acknowledge there's still stigma you know including self stigma like shame mm-hmm. um there could be also judgment or or perhaps like you know different treatment from people when when they know like oh someone is with a mental illness with depression um but also like how you know i am also a bit biased because uh, i am now like i'm really hard on advocating about mental wellness mental health so i i built also a yeah a circle around me you know i'm always looking to connect with people who who have gone through that the uh, yeah that the journey themselves who are now advocating for well-being so mm-hmm. yeah i surround myself with that with those people so that sure. i I also feel encouraged and I feel courageous, you know, talking about this. It's just not easy things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So despite uh, the word now shifting to acknowledge mental well, um, uh, well-being more and more, mm-hmm. um, of course, we still see uh, or hear cases where um, our managers don't really, uh, if some of the employees are suffering mm-hmm. from mental wellness, they're not being, they're not often believed, right? Because you don't really yeah. see them. Uh, it's different from physical sickness where you could actually exactly. see the symptoms and you could also see the people getting sick from it. But mental yeah. wellness is, of course, hard to quantify or hard to qualify. Or do you disagree? What do you yeah. think about that? Yeah, that, that's true. You know, like if if you you catch a cold or, or yeah, you have influenza, for instance, and then you yeah, your manager probably, okay, just stay at home, you know, rest. But uh, because mental or mental health or yeah if we are already prone to mental illness and then we face some mental health challenges you know that that is yeah harder you know it's not so obvious and you know there needs to be also um, a lot of trust and safety like in this context in this in the workplace to to be able to yeah to communicate that because this is something that yeah that's very vulnerable and um yeah I, I know cases where uh where where the the company is supportive and uh, yeah giving the person w- whatever support uh, he or she needs uh, but that there are also cases that um, yeah that it is not acknowledged you know like mm-hmm. uh, that okay you know like w- w- yeah because it is also hard to to indeed to quantify like you say but what are is- what are the symptoms mm-hmm. of depression then if you would like to qualify it, of course, uh, people will have to see it. I mean, that helps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People by becoming aware of it, uh, am mm-hmm. I am I depressed? What are the, what are the symptoms? Yeah. Um, so a, a little bit of disclaimer here. I'm not a qualified um, practitioner to give official diagnosis. Yeah. So you need, like in Dutch, it's called Hofbehandler to mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a clinical psychologist and so on. But um, I can speak from you know what I know, what I observe, and also from my lived experience. Uh, depression is actually the most common of mental illness, and it is yeah affecting more people than we can imagine. Um, kind of my my reasoning is that yeah you know um, yeah there there are the ones that reach out to professional for support, the ones that get diagnosed, but this is likely only a subset of all people that have been impacted by depression. And it is also something that doesn't happen overnight. It is a, a spectrum. And, you know, like, yeah, we probably associate like, okay, the worst case, you know, if someone is really, really depressed, that uh, they are being suicidal, they need to be hospitalized so they don't self-harm or something. But there are also a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, people 
with depression who are still functioning. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, going through the motion, going to work and going to school, doing But their day to day. But they feel inside really depleted, very empty. And, you know, there's, yeah, I can speak from my experience here. Like there was this kind of helpless, hopeless feeling like ah, nothing is going to work. And you know, there's also that, um, yeah, in my case also, you know, like uh, with it's connected with my professional identity. Also, there's uh, that. Yeah, esteem, self-esteem issue, like feeling, mm-hmm. oh, am I a failure? You know, am I, yeah, am I worthy sure, <laughs> as a person? Sure. Does anyone care about me? And and that is really the depression talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so would the, you would you say that those questions are the main source of depression nowadays? I mean, if you take it on average, just not from your experience, but also from other people that you've seen, that you've known, mm-hmm. um, those are the... What are the main causes of depression? Um, it is really, yeah, you know, there, there are a lot of factors and they are interconnected. And that is, um, yeah, kind of like if we see it is it is a mental uh, condition, you can call it. So it's happening a lot in the mind, but it's also, yeah, going, it's also impacting the body uh, in a mm. lot of ways. You know, it's impacting also the, Um, the brain chemistry. So, you know, just just to to put it out there, but yeah, the the factors, the the causes, like you know, there's there's not really like one single cause. Okay, this is it. Uh, there could be some some people who are you know genetically perhaps they are predisposed to being depressed. But yeah, even like um, in that case you know like if they have a good foundation in life they they may de- develop good enough resource to and skills to cope with the you know like yeah stressful events uh, in their life so there yeah kind of the, there's this saying the genes load the gun but the environment pulls the trigger so there, there are like really a lot of factors coming into play often it is um yeah the compounded effect of all these factors so it could be also in combination with yeah there's a big stressful events in our life like moving countries that's really stressful and the adaptation after or perhaps uh yeah we we experience loss loss of uh, a loved one or or a loss of a job you know it's also part of our identity and a myriad of other things but it can also be kind of the lifestyle that we are always you know kind of uh Uh, work hard, play hard. We don't have time to recharge, to yeah, to to rest. Mm-hmm. So that con- that can also um, create more depression. Would you say the social media also helps fuel fuel the depression? You think these days? I mean, I'm not just talking about mm. Facebook or Instagram when you see the pictures of <laughs> pictures of your friends having fun, but also on LinkedIn when you see your colleagues achieving, you know, um, new positions, they get promoted and things like mm. that, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is not the social media as as the tool to blame, you know, because um, yeah, it, it is merely a tool. But how how we perceive it, how we use it as a tool. Your mindset towards yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, kind of what matters a lot more. Because I see also, yeah, um, I'm following like social media channels that are very educative, like creating, for instance, mental health awareness, and yeah, those are. 
I think with everything in life, you know, we need to find the middle way, the balance, what is healthy for us and what is like, okay, like, okay, it's getting not so healthy or perhaps it's really, um, yeah, kind of a way to escape like from, from feeling the depression. Then we, we probably busy scrolling because we don't want to feel what we feel inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why do you think some people, some young people, actually young people are more prone to depression nowadays? Hmm. Why, what does age have to do with this? Yeah, it is also um, kind of in, in our development. You know, I think there's, there's, uh, yeah, I'm now like approaching 40. So there's a lot more life experience. Uh, I understand Uh, more okay what, what matters and what's important to me and I care less about the other people judging but uh, I could look back like in my early uh, yeah teens uh, 20s like oh yeah these are all the things that you know sure. that kind of dictates me even dictates my behavior dictates my my choices uh, so yeah it is kind of um, yeah like I think when we were young, we were still discovering ourselves, also discovering, um, yeah, kind of who who can we relate with. Yeah. That's that's all that is, a combination. That is actually a very interesting statement. And now, now what you're saying is, is basically everybody uh, must have had gone through depression, right? Uh, but now mm. they've just, you know, they've, they've grown up and they know how to deal with it. I really want to ask my parents whether they actually also face the same thing, <laughs> same existential questions like 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 I do. Uh, yeah, nowadays. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I'll be curious to know uh, what what about their reflection. If you don't mind sharing, of course, you of can course. update me. Yeah. So so, um, how do you get out of depression? What are your some of your, some of your first tips? Uh, what can people uh, do themselves? Uh, besides, of course, going through a therapist or um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a psychologist. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, like, first thing, we need to be aware. It is kind of a, something that's going on in uh, in the mind. It's a mental illness, the label, uh, but it's also impacting our whole, yeah, our whole life pretty much. Um, so really, my, my first tip is also kind of my, <laughs> my tagline, my headline, get out of your head, man. <laughs> <laughs> get out of your head. And um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, because like we often like, um, you know, if, if our our mind, when we are dealing with depression, our mind is already somewhat impaired, you know, like we we have those kind of really non-serving thoughts and um, yeah, kind of self-defeating thoughts, beliefs. And um, so we have also, you know, like if we can, we can give this a break, give the head a break, the, the mind a break, we can come down actually to our body and our body is um, you know this is also like uh, the the basis where I work so I work really embodied in a creative way um, our body actually has um, yeah has has a lot of information has a lot of clues it's it's where our life experiences is housed in the body and um, you know by by tuning into our body, We give the mind a break, but we also are becoming more aware of, you know, what am I feeling right now, and you know what, what yeah, kind of what emotions am I am I feeling that that gives space for, um, for some reflection 
and then right. that creates so awareness. I Maybe was about to say that. So it actually yeah. starts all within yourself with self-reflection. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, like perhaps uh, in this looking inside, in this process looking inside, perhaps you, um, yeah, you discover like, oh, I have this resource, you know, this inner resource, or I have this skill to, um, yeah, to help my myself make my life better. But, you know, like if, if you if you find like, okay, you know, this is something that, ooh, it's too much to handle by myself, then yeah, do reach out like uh, to perhaps like uh, even like first to someone you trust, your family or your, your close friend. But yeah, like if you feel like, okay, like really professional support is needed to reach out to your GP. That's mm-hmm. really, yeah. Kind of, and when do you think yeah. that you would need a professional help? When going to your personal network doesn't help anymore, that you still feel mm-hmm. depressed? Yeah, this is something really hard to prescribe. But mm-hmm. you know, if, if you feel you cannot, um, yeah, you, you cannot deal with it uh, any longer, you know, like uh, and yeah. or perhaps like you have already like really, uh, um, yeah, self harming behavior, or before that, you know, like go yeah go to uh, reach out professional help but it's really about um yeah yeah i remember i said prevention at the start and it's really you know the the more the the earlier you reach out uh, that's yeah that's that's much better than you can prevent all the yeah the, the more adverse symptoms of uh, depression or yeah so you would say that yeah. prevention in this case in terms of mental well-being is also better than uh, curing just like any physical uh, illness right absolutely um, so even though you're not feeling depressed at the moment it's still it's still a very good to actually share your stories with your loved ones with your friends and families yeah. Yeah. About your frustration at work, about your oh um, yes, right those kind of things. It helps <laughs> yes, with your absolutely. mental building, yeah. uh, mental well being as well. Yeah, yeah, and that is actually um yeah I have a theory like you know depression is is really it's stemming from um yeah from this really chronic suppressing of our yeah. emotions of of everything what we feel we suppress 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 mm-hmm. and that creates really a lot of imbalance in our in our yeah. body budgeting what... and, and then you know to 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 help like alleviate it i think we need also that human connection yeah. and if we are lucky okay we have that in our immediate circle sure. and with our loved ones but you know sometimes it's more uh, complex and then we need to reach out to pro- professional. Sure. What about people who are just not social? They are uh, naturally int- introverted, right? They mm-hmm. don't have the, they don't feel the need to share their stories with anybody, uh, and they feel like they're also mentally strong as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do does that does does that even exist? Do you think that even exists that some people are just mentally stronger than the others and they feel less need to do that? Oh, that's that's a, a question to unpack one by one. Sure. Uh, but first, yeah, uh, not social or or you call it introverts. Um, I'm one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I confess I'm a, an introvert and I, I'm not so social actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is actually uh yeah there's nothing wrong with that in in a sense you know i think like 
introverts, if you're at, out there listening to this, it, it is really about the, how you how you recharge your energy. Is it like, do you prefer it alone or, or does being among other people yeah, gives you energy? Um, and yeah, the thing is, yeah, again, like it, this is really uh, taking a lot of self-awareness awareness practice to notice when yeah when things start to go south and i want to acknowledge like depression uh yeah can make people less sociable you know they Mm -hmm. they they withdraw more from their social life and so on but uh on the other hand like a person who's suffering from depression can also mask their depression very well by being you know this very social person always smiling always uh being cheerful and yeah so it is really about um, you know no matter which which spectrum you are it's really about acknowledging that us as a human we all deserve to be yeah to be heard to be seen to be understood to be supported and that um, and and that we're all vulnerable to this thing yeah, you know, like if, if we keep, if the only thing uh, we know is suppressing, you know, there's, there's all something really sad or something. I'm going to be you know? okay. This yeah, is nothing. Yeah. Then we suppress it even deeper and deeper. You keep and denying. That, yeah. Exactly. That, that becomes like, you know, when it comes up, like, oh, it becomes really big. And uh, I think like introverts or extroverts, you know, uh, we all need the, yeah, I call this a safe space. That's a very therapeutic uh, term. Um, yeah, so if you are intro- introverted, not social like me, you know, you may you may have relied on yourself to create this safe space. Um, yeah, and just ask yourself yeah. honestly, you know, how, how is that working out? You know, it, it, it's not you... a trick question, but mm-hmm. yeah, if it's working out well, then it's great. But if you feel you could use more stability, reinforcement, then yeah. Do reach out to others to sure, create that sure. space. Yeah. Does that also count, uh, for example, religions? Right. Some people are religious yeah. as well. And yes. do you do you, do you agree that some usually religious people are less prone to depression as well because they've got that mental mm-hmm. support system from whatever they yeah. believe uh, in? I, I I don't know. I don't know uh, enough information to answer, you know, if religious people are less prone to depression sure. or not. Um, yeah, but I, I do notice like, okay, there's a sense of community um, that you are, yeah, you're practicing uh, yeah, the, the values uh, that, yeah, in your religion, uh, whatever it is, that you're practicing those with your fellow, uh, yeah, community members. And yeah, perhaps like there's also more uh, informal activities that uh, that can connect you with the, yeah, with other people who are, um, yeah, who share your 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 beliefs, your story. Mm-hmm. So that that can be also seen as a support system for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's your method? Uh, how do you deal with your with your clients uh, that come to you with the set of depression? Uh, well, you've said some general uh, advices here, some some really great ones that we can all follow. But what's mm. what's your method? What's your what's what's your own specialty? Yeah, because you've said uh, in the oh. beginning, of course, you're a, you're a dance therapist. It's it's very yes. modern. And uh, yes. am I am I getting a dance or something? Yeah, or, uh, how does you it get work? a dance treatment? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, um, yeah. How how I I deal with my clients. Um, 
or how yeah how I meet them I, I meet them where they are um, and you know I, I actually use a I call it my magic plan <laughs> so I am clinically uh, clinically trained as a dance movement psychotherapist and it is you know like in the clinical setting but also like in uh, in a lot of um, yeah the work that I do now which is more coaching is really about the use of yeah psychotherapic use of movement to to help us integrate um, you know our, our emotions but also our or uh, yeah our capacity to connect with other humans but also to bring awareness so that's like more cognitive uh, part but also uh, physical um, that we are more aware of our physical being so very integrative yeah so through physical mm. motions people are more connected with themselves but also with other people and yes. you expect them to also be able to channel their uh, feelings and their uh, emotions better yeah if i i didn't know I, i would think like you know dance therapy Stephen. <laughs> but yeah it is uh, you know it is also a movement you know we we are always in movement as human being even sure. if we are sitting still there's still always movement um and yeah in in uh, in dance movement therapy that yeah that becomes uh, kind of a way to um to understand ourselves but also to to integrate like okay, okay the parts that we didn't know you know like because it taps into our subconscious as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we talk about uh, okay being aware of things cognitively like those are the things that we yeah we know consciously sure. but there are a lot of our behaviors our choices you know like how we live our life it's kind of ruled a lot by the subconscious and mm-hmm. by using this uh, yeah creative and um, also like in an embodied way you know we are tuning into what the body has got to say then mm-hmm. we are able also to integrate the subconscious part of us yeah. is it that Is it the same kind of channeling when people when people are frustrated and tired, they just go boxing or they just go running and do whatever sport they they like to do, and then all of a sudden after your sport, you feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that works also on a physical level. Yeah, like because uh, movement, like a physical movement, like when we do sports or when we dance, they're also like therapeutic dance, you know. But it's not the same as dance movement therapies. Um, You know, if it works, like to relieve stress or, you know, to process some anger or, um, yeah, kind of to to face up, you know, perhaps like, uh, yeah, you want to you want to feel more empowered and you learn martial arts, for instance, or self-defense, sure. you know, that, that can be also, um, in a way, uh, building up towards your personal growth. Um, I do want to separate it, like, you know, from... Uh, from Yeah, if it's like in the therapy context, like it is, you know, there, there is always that element of the therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this trust between the person and and myself as a yeah, therapist or as a coach. So that's also actually where a lot of the things happen. Where a lot yeah. of, you know, like uh, when we talk about emotions, okay, you can process it on your own. But at some point, you always need to, yeah, to, to communicate it, you know, how, how yeah. How to make things better, or you know, like if there's anger, there's conflict. How to how to um, how to repair the the connection again? Yeah. So that's so dance therapy is 
very new of like what you just mentioned mm. for a lot of people including me as well so we've never mm. i've never heard of this dance therapy but how would you compare this dance therapy with uh, a conventional therapy method then Is there is yeah. there a science uh, backing on the dance th the effectiveness of dance therapy as well? Definitely, yeah. It's very evidence based. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a lot of <clears throat> we have a lot of backing from the neuroscience field <clears throat> because, like, uh, you know, we we all have this uh, our plastic brain. You know, you may have heard of neuroplasticity, and um, yeah, pretty much it's also about that. You know, like if you're aware or if you practice to become more aware and then you can create healthier choice for yourself, uh, then also the structure of the brain changes. And this can be really uh, supported like from, yeah, from being in the movement, you know, to, to not just talk about it because when we are just talking, which is, um, yeah, kind of, uh, the, yeah, with the cognitive uh, heavy focus of the traditional therapy, we are like a lot on that, Yeah, a lot on that talking part. We are only engaging the mind, but there is so much more wisdom in the body. And this can be, you know, if we tune into that, you know, we, we can understand so much more of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are uh, some of your toughest cases so far? Because, uh, <laughs> by the way, how, how long have you been practicing? Um, well, as an independent since 2018, when I founded Expat Wellbeing, but mm -hmm. before that, I was yeah working in the clinical setting. So perhaps I can talk about my toughest. Of course, yeah. <laughs> my toughest I'm case curious. there, because this was yeah um, yeah I was I was an intern back then, huh? and uh, I work at the yeah a Dutch uh, psychiatric uh, centrum for people with personality disorders, world. Uh, borderline uh, with narcissistic personality disorders and yeah, often it's uh, comorbid like they're, they're yeah you know it's <clears throat> something that's really persistent in their life um, so it is also very common that you know they suffer from depression or you know they have anger problem or you know like uh, or really they yeah they struggle with regulating their emotions so that was um, yeah I, I worked uh, in this clinic for a year or something and yeah it was uh, quite tough for me because yeah that's that's the nature of um, working with uh, clients with personality disorders like they really work up your emotions also. okay <laughs> and yeah and then I, and then of course I have to be really grounded and I have to be aware of you know like when I'm uh, when I'm absorbed into that uh, interpersonal dynamic with them Kind of oh you know then uh, then I, I need to to stop and also to to name it to call it out and mm. and this also with everything in Dutch <laughs> so because it oh. was a Dutch setting yeah. it was really tough <laughs> yeah yeah I can I, I can imagine especially if um, Dutch is not your first or second language of course everything would be much harder yeah yeah yeah, yeah yes um but um uh, so the Do you think like um, culture also has uh, a role here as well in 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 in, in uh, uh, depression? Um, do you feel like, for example, the Dutch have a higher or lower mental resilience? Mm -hmm. So when I first came here, you know, I let me tell you a story, and yeah, for please. for those for those uh, who are Dutch, don't get offended, but uh, I come from Indonesia. 
uh, like Irene, and uh, our schools are tough, um, and our life was pretty tough as as a kid. Um, so we were we basically grew up with I would consider myself as pretty you know strong mentally because of all the hardships that we've gone mm. through during school, which was unnecessary by the way. Which the competition was just and the school was just tough. Mm. Um, so when I first came here, I considered myself as tougher mentally than the Dutch uh, because of you know the schools that we've been through. And uh, when I look at the problems that the Dutch um, have, oh, come on, they're, they're nothing compared to the problems mm. that we common Indonesians have, right? Uh, Can with... you name some of them just to give the picture? Sure. I mean, huh? uh, I, I don't have the experience myself, but mm. I would consider, for example, illness, healthcare is a big problem in Indonesia. Mm. A lot of people get depressed because they can't get, they can't, uh, get proper healthcare or can't even yeah. pay for their healthcare. Financial problems is also, uh, you know, uh, major issues for a lot of Indonesians. Yes. Yeah. Um, competition, you know, traffic jam, pollution, mm. um, all those are, you know, not to mention all the family problems that we would have, right? So the yeah. problems are yeah. countless. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, them simply are not encountered. You would not encounter them here in such a developed country as the Netherlands. So mm. is my assumption correct that? Um, Europeans generally mm. have a lower uh, mental strength from your experience? Mm, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You know, like, I, I, especially, I like to hear why. Yes. Yeah. Especially like when you uh, when you call it like different levels, like there's okay, this level one, level two, level three. But um, yeah, I, I see it more like, you know, it's just different kind of resilience, uh, different, yeah, based on our context, uh, based on our environment, based on how we were raised, based on our culture. Um, what what I noticed also, you know, like working with the and working with a lot of international uh, people, that we are so different, but also we are so much alike. That uh, you know, pretty much like you know, if I I bring up the Maslow uh, hierarchy of needs again, we yeah, first of and foremost we all want to be happy and kind of happiness seems to be like yeah just to use this uh, triangle it is uh, a bit easier to to break it down like okay that we can uh, live with a sense of purpose but also we feel loved and nurtured and you know that we feel uh, appreciated and we belong uh, emotional connections but also like this this basic needs as well um, so it is like you know this different different cultures different environment like we're probably yeah challenged like okay you know like maybe like in in indonesia okay there's there's so much sense of community belonging but yeah the kind of the safety is perhaps a bit uh, a challenge you know because we don't have the financial stability and so on um yeah so it is more of that kind of um, yeah through through adapting to to sure. our context and yeah. our yeah our culture that the uh, and then of course you know if we look into the the history you know what is what is the story of our ancestors you know the, the, i think there's there's a lot more to to dig into yeah. this you know and, yeah. and it's not uh, as uh, as shallow what i just mentioned it's of course got more dimensions to it it is yeah it is a start but yeah kind of like this it's the tip of the iceberg there's there's more okay. to the yeah, story yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. You wrote a book, uh, The Power of Reinvention. 
Ah, yeah, yes. Yes, together with uh, with some other co-authors. Tell us more about the book. Um, yeah, this was a really wonderful project, actually, from uh, my good friend, uh, Max Thompson, and her publishing house, uh, House of Hives, she calls it. And it is, um, yeah, she's, she's creating this uh, co-authored book to kind of to invite personal stories, reflection um, of uh, yeah, people who have, yeah, who have gone through that uh, personal journey themselves, that personal transformation, and are now, um, yeah, kind of in that, uh, in that, in that, uh, what is it, in that transition, in that uh, step to, to serving others or helping others overcome those challenges. And uh, yeah, this was uh, kind of a, um, a beautiful collection. So I have like, you know, I think eight others co-authors. So we were nine, nine, nine of us. Mm-hmm. And each, yeah, each writers, each authors like wrote a personal chapter. Kind of, okay, w- what is it that, uh, yeah, that, that turning point you know, that, uh, that you have to transform yourself and where are you now? And yeah, it's, its story is really diverse, but also I think like the collective message is really that, uh, you know, we are not alone, <laughs> like in all our struggles, you know, even like, yeah, the ones who've, who seems to, uh, okay, oh, you made it, you you overcome it and so on. Uh, but yeah, you know, there, there's like that big story behind it. And, you know, we, we created this book um, with the hope to, yeah, to inspire others to, you know, to, to encourage them also, like, you know, you're not alone and you can, you have also the power to, to realize this. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to share that it is, yeah, it's an international best-selling uh, book on Amazon. So like in five countries and also in many categories. So it was really yeah. an awesome experience. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So- we are approaching uh, almost the end of the uh, interview, Me? which is uh, very fast because time flies when you're having fun. Exactly, time flies. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've got a couple more last questions for you. Yeah. Um, why do you focus on? Why did you found uh, the expat well-being? Why do do you only mm. focus on expats, or do you also focus on Dutch? Why? Why the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't strictly only help expats, just for the record. But yeah, it is, uh, you know, why I started Expat Wellbeing. It's because of my own personal journey. Um, I know firsthand the struggles uh, of, of expats, you know, like, uh, and I relate with uh, yeah, my expat client stories. Mm-hmm. And that, that really helps to, to build that trust quickly because, sure. yeah, the fact that I've been through quite a similar journey, you know, it puts people at ease and, Okay, I'm I'm on their side. There's no question. Yeah. Do you think uh, the the problems and the cases that all expats face are more or less the same as well? They're not unique to you. Mm, no, they are very unique. Okay. I think everyone's journey is very unique, you know, because right. yeah, we we carry something from from our I don't know from our upbringing, from our from our home country, mm-hmm. from our family, from our yeah, from our history as well. Sure. And um, yeah, I think, but you know. Like in all this uniqueness, also there's there's usually a common theme. That's why I know I realize like okay, you know, like also the Dutch people, you know, the the non-expats, they also yeah deal with quite the similar themes. And you know, I, I work also with Dutch people, and um, you know, some some of them have that uh, international experience. They've been expat, 
or they have like a yeah multicultural uh, identity. So the, yeah, it's also kind of about like that kind of finding where do I belong or mm-hmm. you know like who can I connect with and uh, those are really yeah sometimes I see it as universal human questions as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Irene, I've really learned a lot tonight. Mm. Um, I did not know about dance therapy at all. I did not know mm. about uh, this much about <laughs> mental, mental well-being that I feel like I should start asking these questions and start taking care of myself. Yeah, um, yeah. What are some of your last <laughs> tips if you you would like to say to our listeners? Um, yeah, I just want to repeat uh, what I already mentioned earlier, you know, uh, get out of your head more. Yeah, kind of, I think we are... Yeah, we are very smart and we are so <laughs> intellectual. We often tend to um, to overanalyze things and to uh, to rely so much on our cognitive uh, capacity. But you know, there's there's a lot more to discover when we are in tune with our our body. And it's not only about you know the the body. Oh, I bring it to exercise or you know. But it's really um, yeah. When when I I. Speak when I see emotions, emotions are also in the body and emotions are pretty much like the compass to, uh, yeah, to guide us, you know, to, to discover who, who we are and who, um, yeah, our, our patterns, our, you know, our, um, hmm, I lose the word, but uh, yeah, it is kind of really um, an invitation actually to, to be more, more aware because it is also kind of the the opening to a more fulfilling life, more creative life, and you know, like when we have that uh, understanding of our emotions. Wow! Thank you so much for your time, Irena. It was Thank nice you, having you here. I think we we certainly learned a lot, and hopefully, you also had a great time. Yes, I really enjoyed this conversation, Stephen. Thanks again for having me. Our pleasure. And uh, we'll see you guys again uh, this Friday with Tea Talk with Karishma and Spriya. And uh, for now, uh, we wish you a very good evening and see you again next time. Doei!